welcome to Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. I'm Sarah R. And today I have with me uh, Dr. Laura Blecka. Uh, Laura and I went to grad school together, and now um, she is a Einstein fellow at... Uh, Former Einstein oh, fellow. Gosh. <laughs> Former Einstein <laughs> fellow and, and an amazing person. And we're actually going to talk about a really difficult uh, topic today uh, uh, called uh, on grief. Uh, both of us lost someone in grad school, and uh, we thought that it would be useful to talk about sort of the things that you know we learned from that experience, and and that you know might be useful to other people who you know are either going through a loss themselves or are trying to support someone who's going through a loss. So um, to start, uh, Laura, would you uh, like to introduce uh, yourself and and a bit about? your circumstance and situation? Uh, sure. Yes. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, and yeah, glad to, to have a chance to, to talk about some of these things. Uh, and hopefully it will be useful to other people who are unfortunately dealing with uh, similar circumstances. So I, uh, my experience was that my brother, my younger brother, died um, suddenly and unexpectedly during my very first semester of grad school in, in October of that first semester, so really right at the very beginning. Um, so it was obviously uh, an overwhelming time to begin with, uh, and, and so this was um, you know, a, a huge thing to deal with on top of that, and um, I think... There were a number of things that were really important for getting me through that time. Uh, I had a, you know, my partner at the time was very supportive um, and uh, friends and family as well, uh, of course. And um, then also some of the things that uh, at the University of Mental Health Services, I uh, reached out to them soon afterwards and that was a that was a helpful resource for me um and also you know one of the main things that helped me was was exercise honestly i i mm. i uh spent a lot of time uh I, I sort of started a very vigorous exercise program uh shortly after after this happened and that was that was really helpful for me um so yes anyways the i I did consider taking that semester off, uh, first of mm -hmm. all, but in the end, I, I came back and tried to resume more of a normal routine, and I think that was that was definitely the right decision for me, at least. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I think we'll we'll talk more about sort of you know other coping strategies and and so forth. But that was sort of how how I experienced things, especially in those those first through few months uh, after yeah. after it happened. I mean, first first year of grad school is tough enough without adding adding anything else uh, in it. I can't imagine showing up and at month two, you know, you have you experience such a such a sudden loss. Um, my situation was happened in my second year, so uh, not not quite as uh, at the beginning of grad school, but still near the beginning. Um, my uh, my dad uh, was much older. Uh, for being my dad, you know, he he had had me quite late in life, so he had dementia, and um, he what he hadn't been doing well for a really long time, and so I knew. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I knew he was going to die before most people would lose their parents just 
from the sheer, from his sheer, um, you know, age. But, uh, then, you know, when he started having dementia, I knew it was going to happen, of course, much sooner. And, and actually, uh, my husband and I took care of him for the last six months of his life in our apartment, uh, while I was going to grad school and, and then he passed away. Uh, and, and so for me, the grief, you know, I lost him by inches rather, you know, at a time rather than all, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. So, so it presented itself a bit differently. And also, um, I think physically and mentally and emotionally, the hardest thing I've ever done was, was take care of, uh, of my dad. It was, you know, a 24 hour a day job. Um, it was really stressful. Um, he was very confused. We couldn't leave him alone for even, you know, a moment. Once I remember, um, we left him alone to go get groceries and, and he was out in the hallway screaming because he had thought he had been left behind mm-hmm. for like a year, you know, and that he had been abandoned because he didn't have a sense of time anymore, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and so just, uh, you know, or he would call out in the middle of the night, you know, he had incontinence and, you know, I mean, it was, it was basically like, uh, you know, very things that you never wanted to see on your parent. You, you know, we, we saw and, and, and that was difficult. And then of course, losing him was difficult because he was such a, big important part of my life um and we were I was so glad to do that but it was still the the most difficult thing um yeah because of that you know I still was going to grad school like I was still going to classes and my husband would take care of him during the day I was very lucky to have that support and you know so I was kind of making progress in grad school like at least superficially like I was doing my coursework yet I um, didn't do any research during that, pretty much that whole year, mm-hmm. second year. And even, uh, you know, my dad died in February of, of the, uh, second semester. And one thing that really, I, you know, I was just remembering this now, actually, one thing that really helped was the, the course I was in, the teacher was just so understanding, mm-hmm. you know, cause it happened right at the beginning of the semester and, uh, the professor, um, Avi Loeb just said, you know what, uh, you don't need to answer, uh, or you don't need to do the first two problem sets if you don't need, if you don't want to, you know, you can get the solutions and learn, learn them for your own edification, but you don't need to. And he just really took off the, the pressure, you know, of, of trying to get caught up in that class. And he just really made it, you know, much, uh, easier for me. And, and just his kindness during that, that time really went a long way. Yeah. He also, you know, provided me another option for getting the final done so that I would be able to, you know, get caught up with the class. And and just, you know, even though the final was still a few months away, I remember he offered that right at the beginning. And and I was so thankful for just him being aware that this was, wasn't going to be something that was just over. It wasn't going to be just something that, you know, in two weeks after my dad died, I would be back in Adam and, and studying at full mm-hmm. speed. And, and he recognized that and, and that to me was probably the, you know we we talked a little bit about it before but i think death brings out the best and worst in people and you don't necessarily know what it's going what's going to happen until until that but definitely uh uh that professor's uh support was really meaningful during that time as as you mentioned i also uh you know had some services that i used as well mainly mental health services as well as this um young adult parent lost grief circle, mm-hmm. um, which, which I also found really helpful. I don't think I was exercising so much at the time though, in hindsight, 
you know, that would definitely be something that um, I wish, you know, I, I would have done because now I find it uh, central to my uh, self-care, yeah. uh, you know, for, for all things. But, yeah, so that's a, a bit about both of our stories you know, let's, let's go back to this death brings out the best and worst in people. So I know for both of us, we had both, you know, positive and negative experiences after, uh, the death of our loved one that, that were, that you don't think you're going to have to deal with necessarily, you know, that's not an expected, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's not an expected problem that you're going to suddenly have all these other problems, you know, that, that are, get brought out by the intensity of, of, the loss of a, you know, family right. member, friend, or... Yeah, you know, I think like everybody maybe has some idea that, that people tend to, you know, uh, death is like an awkward topic for a lot of people, but I think you don't really quite fully grasp that until you've experienced a, a big loss yeah. and, like, see that firsthand that, like, um, you know, sometimes people deal with it, you know, in exactly the right way and 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 other times they... Uh, do say things that that really aren't aren't super helpful and uh, or even hurtful and uh, just to be aware that you know that that's a thing that's going to happen and it might even be the same person who like you know does the right thing at one point and you know yeah. and says something awkward another time you know um, and and I think yeah just being aware that 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 happens and that you shouldn't take it personally necessarily you know um, that. Uh, is, is a good thing to know, uh, about the process. And then obviously, you know, if you're, uh, trying to be supportive to somebody who's dealing with, uh, with a loss, then I think, you know, it, this is one of those things where, you know, some common sense applies, um, and you should definitely <laughs> take your cues from the, uh, the person, you know, who's the brave person who you're talking to. And, you know, if they seem uncomfortable or hesitant to talk about something, then, you know, you should probably change tax and, you know, not just like probe, yeah. continue to ask probing questions yeah. about, you know, something they may not feel comfortable talking about in that moment. Um, but also I think another pitfall that people fall into is, is just erring on the side of not saying anything at all yeah. uh, because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, and I think that in a lot of cases can ultimately be even more damaging because then, you know, the, the person thinks that they just haven't care, just don't care mm-hmm. or um, have, have forgotten about it. Um, and, um, you know, if you're worried about reminding the, the person of, about their loss, uh, like that, that's, you know, they, they have definitely not forgotten and they'll generally be glad to know that, that you haven't either. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're reminding them that you care about them. You exactly. Know, you're not reminding exactly. them of the loss because, as you said, we you'll never forget that. But it means a lot when someone takes a moment to care about that loss, you know, and how you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Uh, that that really can yeah. be meaningful. And and like you said, it's people remember in the weeks after. They don't remember in the months or even years after. Um, right. Yeah. And I think especially in the months time scale, I think that's really an important time scale to still remember yeah, yeah. Uh, of that, you know, that person, you know, not, nece- not saying you need to remember it for the to- next decade, but you know, re- remember it for the next few months and ask what I like is, you know, everyone says, hi, how are you doing? And no one ever expects a genuine response to that initial, how are you doing? But what I find is a good approach. If you, you know, you can ask directly, but also people, if you just ask again, in the middle of the conversation, this works for pretty much any major, you know, thing that's going on in that person's life. Be like, you know, and how are you doing? How are you handling with things? And, and yeah. just 
saying saying that again in a more serious tone, kind of midway through after you've gotten the preliminaries out of the way, uh, I find to be an effective uh, cue to me for, that I've seen other people when they asked me how I was doing. I was like, oh, they're remembering that, or they're they're asking about this, and I I have I have the opportunity now to say something or to not say anything. They kind mm-hmm. of leave it up to me. They're, yeah. It's it's clear that I know what they're talking about, it, but they're at the same time, they're not asking really probing questions that demand an answer, and, and they're kind of just setting it out there as like a, you know, you can answer this now or not answer if you don't want. Yeah. You can either give the vague answer or not. And I, I found that really helpful as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is another thing where a little bit of common sense probably applies that you're talking about you know, bringing this, bringing things up as a friend, um, you know, or, you know, even as a, as a, you know, colleague, you know, who, uh, you know, you feel somewhat close to and you want to check in with them. Um, I think that's a, a definitely a good thing to do, but it's probably good to be like mindful of context and not like ask them in the middle of the hallway at work, you know, when they might be just <laughs> going from one thing to another and trying yeah. to, you know, be like high functioning and focus on professional activities and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, or like in a crowd of people where they might not feel, you know, yeah. uh, so just a few comics exactly. and things like that. Um, and then the other thing we talked about was how, um, grief is very, very much a highly nonlinear process. And, you know, even if someone appears to be highly functioning in, you know, the months, uh, after, after a loss, um, or, you know, if it's like, oh, well, they went out for drinks last weekend and, you know, they were laughing, you know, so clearly they're fine now, you know, that's, that's not really how it works for for almost anybody you know that there will be times when you feel like fine you feel like being sociable and then there will be other times when you don't um and and so I think that's that's a good thing to be aware of um in in terms of how to be supportive yeah the 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 word picture that I really like that describes this and and exactly so this was the single thing that surprised me most about grief I expected to feel worst in the days after, a little bit better in the weeks after, mm-hmm. a little bit better in the months after, and better in the years after. And that's just not how it works at all. Um, uh, grief is, uh, the the word picture I got from someone, I think it was in the adult grief group where someone from, you know, hospice was saying, grief, you know, if you imagine the epicenter of of pain and, and grief, and, and at the beginning, you're orbiting so tightly around that epicenter of pain that you never escape it. All you feel is the intensity of the pain. And then with time, what happens is mm-hmm. that, you know, that circle gets extended and it's, and it's an ellipse. It's like really, you know, so it'll come back really close to the grief center and you'll feel that, that same intensity almost as when they first passed. But then it, you'll take longer and longer trips out, you know, from that time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've definitely experienced that, you know, in the sense that some days, you know, it'll just really hit me that I really miss my dad and I wish he was here and I want to talk to him. I want to tell him about something that's big and I'll cry, you know, just for, for no reason. Well, not no reason, but, yeah. you know, like just spontaneously. Um, and I think that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, Unexpectedly. Also, it's unexpected. And it's, and it's the times of year, too. For me, when uh, my dad passed away in early February, every time January rolls around, which was when he was actively dying, shall we say... Um, for those couple weeks leading up to it, I like my body remembers, even if I'm not consciously thinking about, oh, yeah, this was the time around now that my dad died. I still physically remember it. Mm-hmm. I might not feel as good. Something feels off. I don't really know why. I'm not really happy. 
And, you know, it could also be the darkness of the time, but I really think that your body remembers, you know, the, the, um, yeah, the grief. And, and so I, I have another friend who lost her parents in the fall and she has the same thing. You know, she used to love fall, but you know, every time it comes around, there's this, you know, the, this body, you know, almost muscle memory and, uh, and that can be something also that's unexpected. Uh, at least yeah. it certainly was unexpected for me. Yeah, I think I have a little bit of sort of both sides of it. Um, I, I definitely feel like, yeah, um, October, you know, the time I ride around um, where he died is always just sort of feels like a, a sad time and, you know, brings back a lot of, you know, sad memories of, you know, like the that time right at, and the months afterwards and then, you know, even the first um, few anniversaries of his death that were mm-hmm. all really hard. Um and now, you know, it's it's been about a decade um, since since this happened, and so the 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 intensity um, is is you know for most of the time uh, much much lower. As you, as you were saying, mm-hmm. I really like that visual imagery of sort of the the white slowly widening spiral. Um, but uh, it, I do find that sometimes it yeah it's 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 not always predictable. Like I, some you know sometimes that time of year will come around, and I feel like you know, I should be focusing on my grief or feeling my grief more intensely than I am, you know, mm. and, and, and that's not always the way it works for me. You know, it's like, that's not mm. always where I'm feeling it most keenly is going to you know, be right on the anniversary or whatever. Um, uh, and sometimes I, you know, I do, and, and, and sometimes it strikes me more at other times. Uh, so I think that's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's very variable between different people, you know, how, how they experience, uh, the the months afterwards and the, and the anniversaries for years afterwards, and I think it's variable even for for a given person, you know, from year to year how how you feel, yeah, um, yeah. around that time or at other times of the year, yeah, definitely, exactly. So, and I found actually, I don't, you know, for me, I was surprised, you know, I still have these you know periods where I intensely miss him, but uh, it's been almost just over six years since my dad passed, uh, passed, and it was year five on his anniversary and year six were the first two years that I didn't feel intense sorrow on the day. In fact, I almost forgot it was his anniversary of his dying until I looked at the calendar. I'm like, Oh, it is today. But it wasn't like something I was dreading or, or thinking about. It was kind of more something I just thought about in passing and, and spent, you know, 10 minutes kind of thinking about him and, and, and moving on. And, and so that was, to me, it really, mm-hmm. there was a marked difference after five years in, in, in how I felt, yeah. you know, in the anniversary compared to like the first four years, which were pretty miserable. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, it, it really was a matter of, of years, um, you know, several years before um, it stopped being a really, really intense thing um, when it was brought to the forefront. Because it takes, you know, more than just a week or, you know, whatever people sometimes think in their brains, you know, they see you back at work, but you might not be over it, which is why, you know, depending on your specific situation, especially, um, you know, if you are involved in care or you uh, in any way, alleviate your, the resources at your university or, mm-hmm. or your workplace. Um, you know, I was able to have my graduate clock turned back, mm-hmm. uh, reflecting the time that that um, I took care of my dad and, and that he, um, and after, you know, mm-hmm. the times that I wasn't as effective in that grief process. And so I feel like, you know, there are, um, 
each work situation will be different, but uh, I would definitely recommend taking advantage of those uh, services which are already built in place yeah. you know, for for people. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about this um, at the beginning. I, I also, you know, after I think I took maybe a, I spent maybe a couple weeks at home um, uh, right after my brother died, um, maybe a little more. And then I came back um, and um, my professors were uh, all very good about um, uh, I, I got about giving me accommodations in, for my classes and um, I, I did similarly got some exemptions from problem sets and and you know then was ultimately responsible for learning the material before the final but you know that that was what I needed um, right then was to not be responsible for that particular assignment um, and then you know other things I got significant extensions on um, the research you know it was my very first semester of grad school so I think yeah. you know I had been talking about like doing some reading you know thinking about yeah. projects and we were just like okay well we'll just We'll just set this not aside yet. for next semester. Yeah, this is this is not a semester to, to be doing research, and yeah. and so that also you know alleviated a lot of stress. Um, I would definitely say um, that you know for anybody who's like you know in a, a supervisory position or you know uh, or teaching position and has someone going through a student going through this or a postdoc that you're advising, um, that it would be helpful to you know have a conversation and sort of ask what they need, um, or, you know, and offer suggestions, you know, uh, for, for ways you might be able to accommodate, um, their processing their grief. Um, because, you know, it is, it is very overwhelming, I think, um, in the immediate aftermath to like be on top of logistics and be reaching out for help. Um, you don't know what you need. You don't know what you need and you might not know what options are available to you. So for anyone who can, you know, be in the supervisory position and sort of like you know, thinking outside the box or thinking of, of creative solutions to like, you know, get the student through semester or, you know, does it make the most sense for them to drop this class and try again another semester, you know, uh, figuring out, uh, being willing to, yeah, think of, of various possibilities and, and, and offer those, uh, to the student, I think, um, it's very helpful. And I was very grateful, um, for the support I did get, um, from the department during that time. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, if you're in the advisory role, definitely remember that grief is not linear. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's a common, common assumption that people have, you know, mm-hmm. because broadly it does get better with time. And so then we just assume it's a, you know, a monotonically decreasing function. Yeah. But, a, but it's not. a lot of stochasticity yeah. in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and remembering that, you know, f- will help you interpret, you know, when things aren't mm-hmm. necessarily going along quite as smoothly as you might have expected or not as smoothly as they were last week. You know, as well as, you know, we talked a little bit about this, but often it's not even, you know, for me, of course, losing my dad was really difficult. But some of the relationships and how they were strained in the aftermath of losing my dad were actually more difficult in some mm-hmm. ways you know, because they were unexpected. Like I knew I was going to lose my dad and I knew that was going to be hard. I didn't expect to lose, you know, relationships in my life and, or have, you know, them not be as solid. And, and that really threw me. And so I feel like uh, that took its own process. And this is again, where I feel like it can, you know, death can really bring out uh, good, good things and, and bad things. And, and so just recognizing that that's normal, Mm -hmm. that, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and everyone handles it differently, of course, their own internal grief, but also how they 
handle when someone else has died or, you know, tangentially to them. And, and, uh, so it's just kind of something that we're not really that comfortable talking about in our culture. And so I don't think we have a lot of good skills, um, you know, for, for talking with people. And I, I want to just relate to you a few stories, um, going back to the comment you made that, you know, common sense is, is really important when, when learning what to say and what not to say to someone in grief. But you would think that all of these things would be fall under the common sense umbrella, but they were all said to me. So I'm going to, I'm going to say some of them because at the time it was, they were not funny. Now I think they're hilarious because they're so ridiculous in their, um, you know, obtuseness. But, uh, but, you know, for example, um, the very first day after my, my dad passed away, I was actually sitting in my office and, and I was just kind of staring blankly and into space. And, and someone, a a grad student walked by and was like, what, did someone die? (laughs) And that was, (laughs) and I just remember I stared, I looked at him, I'm like, yes, my dad just died. And you know, now I look back on it and it was like his face, I feel so bad, you know, he just really, he really walked into that one. He apologized, of course, profusely. But, you know, if you know someone is having, you know, he, you know, it wasn't a secret that my dad wasn't doing well, um, then that I was taking care of him. So, you know, err on the side of caution, (laughs) especially if you know, I mean, you can't obviously uh, tell, you know, if it's an unexpected, unexpected thing. But, you know, the other thing that happened that really struck me was right after the day after I got back, the very first time I saw people in the department, someone was coming over to me saying, you know, I'm really sorry to hear about that. And, and, you know, I'm sorry to hear that your dad died. And it was really nice the way they were doing it. And then another person came along and was like, oh, we're just going to forget it ever happened in this like overly mm-hmm. bubbly, like super positive voice. And and then the other person was like, oh, okay. You know, cause I think he thought that maybe I didn't want to talk about it or something. Yeah. And then they it's just started like being, it, <laughs> yeah. And then they just, I, and you know, I just remember thinking like the most basic of thoughts, you know, because I couldn't really process mm-hmm. super fast at that time emotionally. And so I was just like, well, I'm not going to forget it happened. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. It was just like the most basic things, yeah, you know. Like, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, someone else and that same encounter, like shortly after, you know, was asking me just about like the weather and how was, you know, all these tangential questions that had nothing to do with anything. And, and then finally I was like, oh, you can, you can ask me whatever you want. I thought they were just going to ask me, how are you doing? Because they hadn't asked that. It was all these, like, tangential, like, how was your flight? <laughs> you know, was it delayed? <laughs> you know, how was the weather? <laughs> and then, and then they're like, oh, well, what's the most painful part about your dad dying? And I was just like, whoa, we're really, <laughs> we're really hitting to the chase of it. So I guess my point is, these all seem like common sense things. Yeah. One would think that you don't need to tell anyone not to say such things, but I'm telling you today as a listener of our podcast, err on the side of not saying, you know, like super, um, I don't know what the word is. Blunt or dismissive yeah. thing. Blunt, <laughs> dismissive things, you know, just, uh, yeah. just see how they're doing. Yeah. You know, if, if they want a hug, give them a big hug, a big long one. You know, if you, if they, you know, bring over some casserole dishes, you know, ask them how they're doing, follow up. Right. Yeah. They or, really you know, ask, yeah, ask them what they need. You know, I mean, yeah, um, yeah they might really uh, like be extremely grateful to have like a home cooked meal brought to them, but they might also like already have five casseroles and really need someone to walk <laughs> yeah. their dog or yeah, someone yeah, yeah. to like, you know, talk to 
professor about a group project or something, you know, so, yeah, it, it, yeah it, I think it's good to like think about what specifically you might be able to offer or, you know, ask, you know, do you need me to do anything specific to, you know, help yeah. you with, you know, getting coursework materials or, yeah. you know, with uh, house, you know, chores or errands. I mean, this is, you know, depending on how close you are to this person, you know, what might sure. varies, yeah. what might be appropriate, but, you know, trying to like reach out and offer more than just, oh, call me if you need anything. And then also... Exactly. The, the call me if you need anything is, is, is death because you're never going to say, you know... Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's also hard to just like, yeah, be that organized yeah. to figure out what you need and like, you know, yeah. calls. And, and um, you know, and it might be that somebody, you know, if you offer to help or offer to help with something specific, maybe they don't feel like they need help with that. And like you yeah. shouldn't take it personally if they say no. Um, sure, sure. Probably yeah. still be very grateful that, that you offered. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and yeah, offer general categories is good. Like you said, you, if you offer some things like you know uh like you said like i could help with this or this or this or any other thing you know that if yeah. you think of it but you know offering some suggestions are also like it it tells them that you thought about some things that could be you know difficult at that time and that you're interested in actively doing something rather than this kind of vague oh well let me know <laughs> yeah. if you need anything yeah and then and then that's just a really hard place for anyone in any situation to ask for help you know in that in that sort of vague response. It's kind of like someone saying, you know, hi, how are you doing? And, and expecting you to immediately give like the full, you know, rundown response, which I've had happen once. I had a friend who, you know, uh, I said something like, you've never asked me really how I was doing. And she was like, Oh, but I ask you every time when we, when we talk and I'm like, yeah, at the beginning, when you say, hi, how are you doing? It's just like not the place that, you know, that right. all yeah, the not, stuff comes not a out. Passing you in the hallway yeah. type of conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those um. are useful useful things to remember yeah I just want I wanted to touch on a couple of things that you that you said a minute ago um first about like uh not just the you know saying things that maybe contradict common sense about you know how to how to be empathetic to, to someone's experience and loss but also like about the the dark humor just like I think that's a good sort of general practice thing I mean you know like yes humor can be a, actually a very good coping strategy for for getting through you know parts of, of of dealing with grief and in general you know like um you know dark mm-hmm. humor can be very effective kinds of humor but i think it's just it's something good to be aware of that like certain things can be very triggering for some people in certain situations mm-hmm. you know and like so just you know sometimes things if you say something, you know, it, it it can backfire and it's good to sort of be conscious or, you know, try to be tuned into like nonverbal cues of, you know, how somebody might be reacting um, uh, to, to something like that. Um, and then also you made the point about um, sort of the complicated nature of grief in terms of like how other things that are that sort of bubble to the surface in the aftermath of a of, uh, uh, a really intense experience, like, you know, suddenly losing someone close to you or, you know, or, or not suddenly losing someone close to you can, like, really strain relationships or sort of, you know, heighten mm-hmm. emotions that are that are mm-hmm. they're already there. And, you know, that's something definitely that I feel like I experienced in, in my own ways um, or, you know, and um, witnessed um, in, in this, you know, my family and the people who are around me and, and, and friends. And, and it... Um, I think it's just good for everyone to be aware of that that's a very common mm-hmm. thing, you know, yeah. um, and that it, it can greatly compli- complicate the grieving process and also just for everybody to be aware that, like, 
there is all the, you know, the emotions are always going to be like running really, really high and it's going to, you know, sort of everything is going to be very amplified, especially right in the aftermath of, of a, Mm -hmm. of a loss like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned the dark humor. I mean, of course I, I did the horrible pun earlier in the, in the podcast (laughs) with the, it's like death, but anyway, (laughs) but also, uh, you know, the moment, actually the day right after my dad died, I had a huge belly laugh from from someone using dark humor. It was mm-hmm. my mentor, you know. So someone I was comfortable with. I wouldn't necessarily do this if you if you're not comfortable with the person or you're not sure how they'll react. But you know, she's been someone who I've known for 16 years. Uh, the situation was that I was, you know, when I walked into my dad's room, you know, when we woke up, I, I could tell he had passed in the night. So it was just mm-hmm. obvious, like he wasn't he wasn't there anymore. And and at that time, like within. 10 seconds of me walking in the room, the phone rang and I thought it might've been like the hospice nurse or something. So I wanted to answer it. So I picked up the phone, you know, and, and there was a woman trying to get me to come and do an Irish dance show for St. Patrick's <laughs> day at, you know, at something. And I, and I just kept repeating. I'm like, I really can't talk right now. She's like, Oh, just, 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 just be one second. I just really want to talk. And I was like, I really can't talk right now. And she just, she didn't let it go. Like, Three times, I think I said, I really can't talk right now. Before I just like then clicked the off button, you know, she's like, oh, but, 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 you know, and then, <laughs> and, then um, and so I was talking to my mentor, I, you know, later in the day, I told her this and, and she was like, man, you missed your opportunity, Sarah. It's like, when else could you say, look, I'm in the room with a dead guy. Okay. <laughs> and, just like, and it just made me laugh, you yeah. know, because, yeah. you know, it was obviously, you know, the, the within hours of my dad passing, but I just, you know, I realized the, you know, I appreciated the absurdity of the moment, yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, totally. And so it can be. It can definitely go both ways. Yeah. 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 You gotta, you gotta be careful. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but if you know the person, if you know well the person and, well, and, yeah, yeah, then I think, yeah, yeah. it can definitely. <laughs> it was, it was one of the highlights of that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, definitely a, a more difficult podcast, I think, than than some of the ones we've had before yeah. due yeah. to the nature of the topic. But I think it's it's really important because, uh, you know, d- death and grief can happen, of course, at any point in your life. But I feel like it it seems like grad school is a long time, especially, you know, it's mm-hmm. six years of your life. And and a number of students in our own program, I think it was around 10% had, had a loss, like what we described, mm-hmm. you know, roughly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's maybe higher than you might, than you might expect. Um, and so there will be people, uh, you know, or, or yourself that, that experiences, uh, you know, a pretty major loss in this time. So. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, that was pretty much all okay. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you, you mentioned earlier about how, I mean, especially for you losing a parent, um, you know, and, and you said your father was a little bit older, um, you know, you're sort of one of the first of your friends to yeah. lose a parent, um, you know. Um, but I think in general, you know, that sort of age when you're in grad school, you know, is sort of a dividing line. You know, some people will have experienced a serious loss yeah. by that point in their lives and some will not, um, you yeah. know, and... And so that is sort of an age where, you know, you're just starting, you know, a lot of people are, are um, you know, have a lot of varying degrees of experience mm-hmm. with it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, that's a good thing to be mindful of, too. Yeah, it's the same thing I'll just, you know, throughout. We're not going to talk about this now, but just same thing with major health crises. Often, you know, most people don't have a lot go on, but grad school around those ages when the first time a lot of people, you know, it's a minority of people that start facing more uh, difficult challenges in that mm-hmm. regard, as well as with grief. And, and so, 
just being aware of, of, you know, that when, if you have colleagues or, or friends who are going through difficult times, pretty much most of the same advice applies, uh, you know, in both of these cases to Mm -hmm. just, you know, be, be helpful and, you know, where you can and, Try not to say super awkward things. Right. Yeah. Take your cues <laughs> and, from from the, you know. the the person who's grieving, and you know, and try try to see what their com- comfort level is, and and check a, and respect their privacy. Respect their you know, privacy, as, but yeah, don't just act like it never happens. Yeah, your curiosity is not more important than the person's. <laughs> the person's right. Yeah, you to, should you should center their their you know emotional health in in yeah. whatever in the questions you're asking. They, Exactly. Well, um, I think that is the end of our podcast. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, well, actually, no. There is actually just one more thing that I th- I had thought I would uh, mention was that um, if you're if someone very close to you is is has experienced a serious loss, then um, you know you're going to be sort of you know if if it's like your partner or very you know one, best friend uh, or family member. Um, then you're going to be sort of in the trenches of like dealing, you know, helping them mm-hmm. through their, their grief. Um, and that can in itself be very emotionally taxing. So I think it's, it's important if you're in that position to also like prioritize your own self-care and recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, friend or, or partner or whoever won't be able to be like, there will be an inherent imbalance temporarily, you know, and they yeah. won't be able to be like this, you know, same level of support to you for, for yeah. a while. Um, and so you might need to, you know, consciously seek out support elsewhere like to get through that and not to feel resentful of them you know in this yeah like, while they're going through that yeah it's definitely a good point I mean ultimately as as is the theme of our podcast you know for any situation self-care needs to come first you when you take care of yourself you're best able to offer help to other people who yeah. are you know either going through you know grief or a loss or you know a health situation whatever it might be and as well as to thrive in academia or at your job or, or anything in life, you know, we, you need to first prioritize that. And I feel like, you know, this is foundational to our message. And, and I hope that, you know, uh, it's something that is a constant learning process. I, I yeah. didn't always do that. You know, I, no, I felt I. like, I felt like, especially when I, you know, you're, maybe I'm uh, being stereotypical for saying younger, maybe just less mature you tend to think, oh, I can just extend myself. I can just not deal with that right now or I can, you know, just not get sleep or not eat healthy or not exercise or, you know, you can, you feel like you can shove it all down and then just kind of power through it. And that's Mm -hmm. often advice you get, especially for, this is a little bit of a tangent, but advice for finishing your dissertation Mm -hmm. or, or whatever it is. But in all of these situations, whether it's, you know, finishing your dissertation or a loss of a parent or, you know, anything, you need to really always prioritize self-care, I think, throughout the whole process. There's very few times in life where just, you know, powering through to the damage of yourself is actually in any way an effective strategy. Yeah, totally. So, well, thank you for coming on and talking about uh, it's a very difficult conversation. And as you can see from you know our listeners will probably note that for both of us these happened you know uh, six years for me 10 years 10 years for you it takes a while to even talk about this you know it was certainly not something that either of us would have felt comfortable talking about you know in such a public setting earlier on yeah um after it and so uh, uh we just want to to do this though for people who 
might be experiencing, you know, loss in their own lives or, or in the lives of someone close to them. So uh, with that, I am Sarah R. And we were very thankful to have Laura Blecka with us on the podcast. And we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.